We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, next up we have Navid or Navid. Uh, Navid. What's up, man? No, how you doing? You got, you got it right. How's it going? Okay, how you doing, sir? Great, thanks. How are you? Good. Um, I'm going to be quick. Look, I, I think uh, you guys have spoken a lot about the you know specific adjustments they can make in the series. And overall, you know, someone who's been watching this team for a really, really, really long time, I don't think as a fan you can complain about where this team's at, right? We're in the second round of the playoffs, got the youngest team, got a lot of flexibility to do whatever we want. Um, so if you take a step back, I think we're still in a good space regardless of, of what happened yesterday. But there is one thing that's a little bit concerning to me, and maybe I'm kind of being overly harsh on this guy and you guys who are you know, a little bit more in the details of this team can, team can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've never really seen on multiple occasions, especially during a playoff series, someone that's supposed to be a cornerstone of a franchise and a team and a leader of a team give off the vibe that they're almost pouting and not giving full effort in multiple games. And look, nobody played well yesterday, like you guys said. God, if you look at the shooting numbers, it's, you know, it, it might be as bad of a perform- shooting performance as anybody else in the playoffs this entire season. So you can't really blast one guy. But to me, Julius Randle was the only guy that I saw out there that was giving not 100% effort and beyond this series and beyond this season, if you have someone on your team that's supposed to be a leader and supposed to be a cornerstone, <clears throat> excuse me, almost give off the vibe that they're pouting, being temperamental, not giving full effort. I don't, I don't quite understand how you can resolve that issue going down the line. So I wonder what, I just want to know what your guys' thoughts are, what you see with him. Because there was one game in the Cleveland series too, I think it was game four, when he ended up getting benched, where he was giving off the similar vibe. So what are you guys seeing with him? Is he, does he seem hurt to you? Is he um, letting his offense affect the rest of the effort that he's giving? Is he just being temperamental? I don't, I don't, really, I don't really get it because to me, it's, it's pretty clear that he's almost acting out in a certain way and not um, giving it his all when I actually see him play. Um, see, and it's funny, I just saw a tweet about how, uh, you know, Julius has rained his ankle twice in the last month, so we should think about that before we crush him as then a third. The problem is, is that I've, we have seen that Julius performance when he's not injured. Like, we say it all the time. Like, what Julius are we getting today? Like, are we getting good Julius? Are we getting bad Julius? Like, sometimes Julius just shows up and just does not look engaged, does not look like he has the intensity, he's not ready to play. And it's like, all right, we got bad, we got bad Julius today. Um, like, the process isn't there. So, um, I listen... He's the listen. If he's the best player, he's the two-time All Star. He's the All NBA guy, most likely two-time All NBA guy. And he comes out, he plays like he did yesterday, where at one point he had more fouls than field goals made until like late in the third quarter. 
No, that's that's accountability that needs to be held. And if if he's not going to play, and it stinks because you would think that after what happened in 2021, and everyone said that he's not a playoff guy, the lights are too bright, yada yada yada. You would think that he would want to out, he would want to come out and play, show everyone why that was not the case. And when he doesn't do that, it's like, like, and I don't want to hear about excuse. I don't want to hear about his ankle simply because you know. I see Jimmy. Jimmy rolled his ankle. Jimmy. Jimmy rolled. Jimmy rolled his ankle. Jimmy reaggravated the ankle. Jimmy kept bringing it. And if you're saying, "Well, that's Julie, Well, that's Jimmy Butler." Like, yes, that's why Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler, and that's why Julius Randle's Julius Randle. Um, like it wouldn't surprise me if Game Four Julius comes out and he just destroys everybody. And he just, just he just makes the right plays and the process is good. And yeah, and that's just the up and down you have with Julius Randle. But yes, yeah. we, we can't see we. This ain't Cleveland. Like we can't beat this team without. If Julius is gonna do that for three more games, yeah. But to me, it's a little bit. It's it's just a little bit of a bigger issue, right? Because he's a, he's a basketball player, and he's not uh, an MVP caliber player. So he's gonna be inconsistent. Some nights he's gonna be hitting his shots. Some nights he's gonna struggle. And that's that's kind of just who he is. And I'm okay accepting a guy who's not gonna be hitting shots every night, and a guy who just has certain weaknesses in his game. But to me, you can't have a cornerstone of your franchise be someone who doesn't appear to have the mental fortitude to not let a bad night or a bad series or refs not giving you calls or whatever else is going on clearly affect your ability to be a leader and your body language out there and uh, how much you are appearing to let your mental totally and completely affect the rest of your performance. You've got to have a little bit more of mental fortitude. And I, I, when I look, when I take a step back, like I said, for you know, us Knicks fans who have seen this franchise screw everything up for so long, when you look at where this team's at now, like, like I said, second round of the playoffs, youngest rotation, draft picks, everything. We now even have in Jalen Brunson a closer, something that we haven't had in a long time either since probably mellow right everything seems like it's in its place but i get concerned when i see game three against miami and you've got your leader out there who's letting god knows what's going on with him affect how much actual effort he's 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 giving and i don't i don't really see that in anybody else on the team so um i i i, I just don't i i, I really don't understand what it is so i don't know if you think he's just being temperamental you think he's just not confident what what do you what do you think it is if you don't think it's his uh, I, I, I honestly i can't i i don't think we can i don't think we'll ever figure out who julius Randle is um you know between you know above the neck like is it temperamental is it he's hurt is it you know he got in an argument with his wife. Is it, you know, like, you know, I'm not, and I'm just saying like, and I say that to say not, let me be clear. I am not trying to blame Kendra for anything that's going on. I'm just, when I'm, I'm using that as an example of like, there are things outside of basketball that can affect us in basketball. I'm not going to try and figure it out because I don't, yeah. I, I can't, but it got, it, it for us to win this series, it has to change. Right, right. And I'm going to say one last thing. At the end of the day, the, the reason behind it doesn't really matter, right? Because, Everyone has, has bad nights. Everyone gets injured. Everybody, I'm sure, has issues going on off the court that might affect them. But we all, you know, when you, when you go to work, you don't want to work with that guy who might come in on a random Tuesday in a shitty-ass mood because something happened at home or because he's not doing great at work. you got to be professional, and at least as a leader, as a best player or one of the top players on a team, you got to, like, keep your head together. And it's, it's concerning if we're trying to build a team around a guy who struggles to consistently just keep his head together. So thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. No, nah, appreciate it. Thanks for you. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Um, all right, let's go to, all right. So next we're going to go to the boss, Robert Cross, and then we're going to have, we're going to, and then we will go to JFK, who I, who I know is winding up the band back there as we speak. But I got some of his ass. Trust me. I got something, but, We'll get to him, but Robert Cross, your um, your super chats yesterday were uh, hilarious. 
uh, you end up getting a scolding from John. Uh, I don't know if you want to speak on that, but, <laughs> but I, I think he, and I actually agree with where John was coming from because, but man, listen, you say the floor is yours, my brother, you go right ahead. You, you get, you get it all out. You say what you got to say. Oh, Bran, should I do that though? I'm, I'm still, I'm still, you know, it's a sunny day out here, but I'm still in a bad mood. You know what I mean? Um, it's good to be on the show with the young upstart, the man with the plan. Um, and I provide a little bit of context. So I, I, I played a little bit of basketball for a long time at a pretty good level. So I know basketball. And I don't do the Benji Zulo type thing on coaching and strategy and tactics. You know, I was talking on Twitter a little bit today because that's that's what I do for a living. So and that's not what I do with the Knicks, right? I'm a fan first, and I put my heart out there because that's that's just how I am as a person. Um, I'll just I'll just get down to some brass tacks. I think Tibbs is being outcoached and I think he's being outcoached badly. Um, a coach's job is to lead the team and put the players in a position to be successful. I think he's, he's led the team very well this year. And if you look at um, the three years that he's been the coach of this team and where we came from and where we are, I think he's done a good job there. My issue specific to this series is his tactics. Uh, I think they're poor, and I think they're playing into the Heat's plan. Um, Not new stuff specific. You know, I talked to a lot of different people. Uh, Menza and I have been going back and forth, but the number one decision, and you've kind of touched on it too, but Sean, I I think starting Hart – in, in my opinion, makes the first unit and second unit worse. Absolutely, absolutely unit Robert. Second. Absolutely. The, and that that is my singular number one issue with it, right? So let's just get let's get into basketball a bit in regard to that. Spacing and gravitational pull matters. And it matters whether or not you're hitting your shot, right? Because if they're not going to respect you and the Heat do not respect Josh Hart's shot and they're playing way off of them, they're, they're going to clog the lane. And we already have three guys in Randall, uh, Barrett, and Brunson who are all kind of ISO heavy. This, the spacing is just terrible, totally terrible. Um, so that affects the first unit. But then if you look at some of the success and where the team started playing really well, particularly after the Hart acquisition, Hart has been really impactful with IQ on the second unit. So now, now you got a dual problem going on, right? So the second point to this is, and this is where I get really frustrated with Tibbs, and this is, this is in part where John and I disagree to an extent. Um, and, and it also gets to 53 wins. G- generally speaking, and I think Chris relates to this a bit, I think that a lot of people are surprised by the next success this year or, or how quickly we become successful. So you can, you can argue about how good our players are, so on and so forth, right? The, the Knicks really started turning things on to an extent um, by affording people time. And Tibbs... I mean, if you look at the Cleveland series, you look at the end of the year, people weren't complaining about Tibbs much at all because I, I think he he's, he had been more open-minded in making adjustments. And with you and you're, you're talking about Hart, worried about Hart being here, I think he's gone back to having like that scarcity mindset, shortening the bench, um, giving this guy a ton of minutes. And, you know, I, I went to Seton Hall, so Seton Hall's arrival – Villanova and Brunson and Hart and all that type of thing, but it has nothing to do with that. I respect Josh Hart as a player, but he's he's he is playing too much. He's playing too many minutes, and yeah, there's tension between like cause and effect, and you know, like Grimes and IQ need to play well. Like I agree with that. IQ 
I've been on IQ. He has not had a good playoffs. Grimes was hurt. He's a second-year player. It's a little bit different story. But Grimes needs to play. He needs he needs to get opportunities to get into a rhythm. And that's that's just not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And that's – I don't care if we lose this series, quite frankly. Like, that's not my core issue. Um, but what is pissing me off – and I have, a tendency, I have a tendency to get pissed off from time to time. And part of it is because of my background, like being a ferocious competitor. Uh, we're not playing our basketball. <clears throat> we, we are not doing what we've been doing the past two to three months, three to four months to be su- successful. And part of it starts with our approach. Like if you believe and a more progressive, open-minded, the players that got us here, you talk about the 8, 9, and 10, like, the players that got us here will get get us there. Like, what really concerns me is we're getting away from that mindset. We're getting scarce. We're, get, we're, we're getting scared, and we're shortening the bench, hard starting. I think that there could be an opportunity for Deuce McBride in this series. Um I wouldn't even hate at this point Fournier getting some minutes and I can't Fournier's a turnstile. So it's not like I'm for Fournier per se, but I'm for the idea of making adjustments. I'm for the idea of not waiting until the series is over or we go back to Madison Square Garden down three one. I'm not down with that. Um and my only other comment in regard to Julius, because this is another thing where John and I have gone back and forth, different people have gone back and forth with. If a person shows you who they are, that's who they are, right? So uh, Jul- whatever the hell Julius is doing, this is part of who he is. Like up, down, erratic, good, bad. Uh, and I, you know, at different points in his next tenure, I wanted, I wanted man straight off the team. I would I would have flew him anywhere. You know, and then he comes back this this year and then he and he uh bounced back. I mean his his up and down nature on the court reflects probably who he is. He's up and down. So if he if he's going to be a core piece, you're all but guaranteed that you're gonna have these types of issues. Um I I I think that he probably is hurt because I don't think he's got the proper lift to me. But that does, that shouldn't impact his um, men- mentality on the court and how he carries himself. He's not – and the other guy, I can't remember his name, like being a leader. He's not – I don't consider him the type of person that he's a leader. I wouldn't be looking to him to being a leader, mainly because of how erratic he is, period. But my, my uh, single hope – going into into tomorrow and I will believe it when I see it is that Josh Hart is out of that starting lineup and Quentin Grimes is in my second hope is that McBride would pay would play eight to ten minutes in this uh in tomorrow night's game thank you Sean thank you Robert um well very very well said um before we get to JFK uh Chris, anything that you like to say to Robert? Anything you said that 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 uh, touched that you want to touch on? Um, I would just say, you know, the Fournier. Like, I've gotten some tweets about Fournier and Rose, and someone asked me about it, and they even said, "Am I just asking this out of desperation, or is this actually a good idea?" And you know, the answer is desperation. The Knicks were the four seed, had a good rotation. I would say, great rotation before and after the heart trade. You know, the, before the heart trade. Deuce McBride filled a role, but not super well. He wasn't a star in that role. So he, him and Obi were the two that weren't stars in their roles. And iHeart was still, you know, hurt and not as mobile. So there were like, like three guys that weren't stars in their roles. RJ is four. Um, but then the heart trade happened. And all of a sudden, you're down to RJ and Obi are the only two guys that weren't like playing like stars in their roles. And you get to the playoffs and RJ is playing like a star in his role. So, um, for me, I think, you know, you weren't playing Fournier and Rose after the deadline. Don't do it now. 
um, I think that would be classified technically as a a desperation move. Even even if I think that's a little harsh. My, my hey, Chris, my comment on Fournier wasn't so much. I don't to be clear. I don't want to play Fournier either. My comments more about open versus closed mindset, right? So yeah, for sure. My my concern is that, and my concern about Tibbs as a coach in general. I want to talk about. Uh, what he's done this year, good, bad, indifferent, should he come back next year because we're still playing the games. But when he he gets this circle the wagons mentality or he starts narrowing focus, narrowing minutes, and from my vantage point to a degree, that's part of the reason why we're in the problem where we are in this series. And in my opinion, to an extent, I would play – if let's assume that IQ was healthy. He probably isn't healthy. But if he were healthy, I'd be playing IQ and Grimes more minutes, like irrespective of how they're playing this moment. The, the, the narrow mindset, the circling the wagons, going from uh, nine to eight to seven, I don't think is the key to game four or, or, did it, or the key to winning this series. So I think where I will give Tom Thibodeau grace is that most coaches – Shorten their rotation in the playoffs. It's like what did what did John say? Pat Riley said, "You play eight and you trust seven. So that doesn't bother me. Just play the right eight. Um, and well, it's a consolidation of minutes too, Sean. Right? Like, do you want? Well, let me. Ask, do you want Hart playing forty minutes again? No, I don't think. I don't think the Knicks have enough wing talent where we don't need a we don't need a bench wing to play forty minutes a game. We don't. And but and I think um so the Frank Barrow stays at Patton. He said it he said it yesterday. He said like this the love affair of Josh Hart is now we have one Tibbs feels he only has one spot for IQ RJ and Grimes. And I just don't think that's good going forward. Like it's okay for Josh Hart to not play at times. Like if 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 Eric Spolster could play Duncan Robinson, who is a cone extended minutes in the playoffs even though he probably doesn't want to because he knows he need, he knows that he he Duncan Robinson can provide something that we need then we should be able to say all right you know what let's play we, let's let's we don't have to play Josh Hart 42 minutes in a game because we had like again the depth was the biggest advantage this team had all year and we have thrown it out the window because man. all right um, let's go to, but I think everything you said, like, um, I agree with, uh, I agree with, um, Robert, um, I'm gonna say two things and then we'll get to, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get to JFK, then we'll get to, um, Rick from Far Rock and we'll get to Andy P and then we'll close it out. Um, actually before that, I do want to answer this one question that was in the chat. Uh, oh, we got a couple questions in the chat. Um, let's see now. We got uh, I ninety five bully. It said, "Is the eight man rotation coming? If you move hard to the bench, here RJ can take the backup four minutes. Is this a bit dramatic?" Um, I don't think you're gonna go to an eight man rotation, but if we did, it wouldn't surprise you. Obi is odd man out. Um, because we can play Josh Hart at the four. We can play RJ at the four. Um. I, I just want I I would just like for us to go back to what worked, and if that doesn't work, I can sleep at night. If we tried what worked and it doesn't work, it, if it's not working, but I don't like fixing something that wasn't broken. And again, like the story I said in the beginning of the show, like you're changing your lineup in advance of an eighth seed because of Jimmy Butler's your boy and you're afraid of him, and like. I don't know. Um, what else we got here? Uh, let's see now. Josh still focused. I would absolutely love to know what the Heat's response to our regular rotation is going to be. I would love to see it too, Ja. But guess what? We we went away from from before before we even took a shot. We went away from it because Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan, apparently. Um, Josh will focus. My boy Robert W. Cross is spinning today in study hall, standing ovation. I agree. Robert Cross says, the only thing good about today is game four is tomorrow. That's my mood. Hashtag for three wins. Yes, listen. Yesterday was yesterday. Tomorrow's a new day. This game ain't over. This, this series ain't over. There's no eulogies. If we're down 3-1, we can start preparing last rights. But for now, let's keep playing. Um, 
And last last thing I want to say before we get JFK, um, I pulled up two stats here. Um, of all playoff teams shooting threes wide open, which the NBA classifies as the closest defender is six feet or more away. The New York Knicks are shooting 33.9%, which is next to last among all playoff teams. 33.9% on, again, wide open threes. Number two, and threes of uh, for open threes, which the NBA classifies as closest defender is four to six feet away. The Knicks are shooting 22.2%. Again, on open threes, they are shooting 22.2%. That is last among all playoff teams. Last. It doesn't matter what Tibbs draws up. If these people don't hit shots, it's not going to matter. And guess who can now, and guess who can probably hit a shot? Quentin Grimes. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, uh, let's go to JF Cake, and then oh, it looks like we lost Rick from Far Rocks, and then uh, we'll just have Andy V close this out. Heath and JF Cake, who, what you got? What you got? Uh, uh, the floor is yours. To the victor go to spoils. So, good evening, everybody. So, I've been, I've been known Sean for a little bit now, and... I kind of like the way he taught the ball during the season. He was very accurate on a lot of things. I listened to him. Excuse my son. He's eating some No, your son, your son knows the BS is coming. He's already started yelling out loud. Nah, nah. He's, he's, he's already laughing because he already knows the jokes I'm about to start saying. So, basically, uh, it was a good start to the season. I kind of liked your picks and, and how, you, how you did them and how you picked them or whatnot. And I'll say this. Sean, me and you, uh, your, our relationship reminds me of uh, – Juice, uh, in the movie Juice, uh, what was it, Bishop and, and Raheem? And what happens now is uh, we're kind of at that scene where they're staring at each other in the ladder. Uh, not the ladder, but the elevator scene. Uh, and, and you're looking at me trying to kill me, uh, Sean, and you don't need to kill me. I, this is something I've been said uh, for a while now. I didn't know how the Heat made it here. I mean, if you really talk about it, we are bottom five of offense throughout the whole season. Our defense was pretty good, but it was shitty towards the beginning of the uh, the season because we only had Kyle Lowry out there uh, pushing us to at least a 500 record. Um, and then we started noticing that Eric Spoelstra started switching the zone, and he stayed there. I mean, me and Sean talked about the zone for a long time, and we, we talked about how it, it, it kind of beat certain teams or whatnot uh, and, and a lot of advantages. And to be honest with you, 
I think this helped towards like, you know, going into the playoffs or whatnot, just having uh, the same core of continuity uh, players and and just understanding how to work different types of system. Like for instance, me and Sean are football fans. We both like Baltimore Ravens. Uh, We understand that Greg Roman was not a good offensive coordinator and he needed to go because he did not utilize his star players to their full extent. And that's kind of what you're seeing with Eric Spolster right now. He's utilizing his players to the full extent. I mean, I told you guys last uh, space I was in here to watch out for Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin. Game two, they showed up, but I was just being told that I was talking a whole bunch of words. I mean, it's okay. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Um, This team, this Knicks team kind of reminds me of a Heat team that we once had with uh, Deion Waiters, Wayne Ellington, and and Kelly O'Linick. Like, they're a a good batch of guys and probably needed one or two players. And and maybe Hassan Whiteside would have been that guy uh, but he, you already know mentally he checked out once he got the money. So there's a lot of things that you can look at uh, in comparisons. My main thing always with the Knicks has always been the guy who's running the uh, uh, show. Um, I don't like him. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I don't like teams that have bad owners. Uh, I kind of don't like the Dolphins for that reason. Um, so I'll say there's a reason why James Dolan – uh, is making sure y'all play with house money. And this is exactly what Sean was saying during the season. We're playing with house money. We're not supposed to be this good. We're supposed to be mid. And to be honest with you, if you look at the stats back in the season, uh, the shooting, y'all shooting was mid. Uh, defense was mid. Everything was at like a fifth rank 15th except for your rebounding. I think it was on the offensive side. You guys are in the top 10 in that. But, again, this was New York Knicks, and, and Sean was saying to everybody, don't get your hopes up. Because the Knicks will nick. I don't know what happened between the start of the playoffs and, and up to this point, but something changed. Something changed between the Knicks fans. And to be honest with you, I was happy with y'all making fun of Boston, making fun of Doc Rivers of Philly, making fun of Toronto, making fun of Atlanta, making fun of all these teams. And we understood where we were. Now, the realistic side of me understood that this roster that the Miami Heat have is not that good, but they did show spurts. And I've been talking about Gabe Vincent ever since he dropped 30 on Team USA. Like, that shit doesn't happen out of nowhere. And, and there's something to be untapped when it comes to talent like that. And I think Eric Spolcher has done a good job, even though he didn't get his first shot to the third quarter, of doing that. You're talking about shooting, Sean. Shit, we shot 21% from the 3.2. I mean, you have to understand, since our offense has been that bad all season, we had to learn how to win off of having that bad of an offense which means play your defense, hustle for the ball, rebound when you need to rebound, and supposed to cook up some shit because there's a lot of games where we look horrendous. I mean, we had bad losses to San Antonio Spurs, to Detroit Pistons, to Orlando Magics. I mean, the list goes on. Any team, any bad team that we played, we lost. And I was there in the building for those games. Now, I will say this. One thing that the Heat did do is they beat the teams that they weren't supposed to beat. I mean, we beat Boston by 30. We beat Golden State. Uh, these are championship contention teams. Now, moving forward, this is exactly what I think Spolcher was doing, was testing out what he needed to test out on teams that he's going to see in the playoffs. Probably load manage his, his team when he played not-so-good teams. I mean, it's a whole season of work that you have to put into, especially when you have older guys, as in Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. Now, the thing I will say about the Knicks is I think you guys keep on abandoning ship when it comes to philosophies and, and game plans and schemes and stuff like that. I think when one person goes off, you're like, all right, all right let's go to this guy. Let's go. He got the high hat. But sometimes you need to be able to set your, your guys up for shots or whatnot. You need to be able to set them up to, to be successful in how they play. I mean, again, they do have a more talented team than us. R.J. Barrett is a lot better than Max Strews, Duncan Robinson, and Caleb Martin put together. Like, let's be honest. But the, un- the, the understanding about it is that you kind of have to work with what you have. And that's all I've been trying to say. You know, people say I talk a whole bunch of words. That's okay. But I appreciate y'all for giving me the space. What I think right now is happening is that I think y'all should push the panic button because you should look at the last series of how um, we were able to close out the Bucks and how we played that game. Now, I do think you're going to give us a better uh, game when it comes to game four. But what I, I think is going to happen is that it's going to happen last game four is that we're able to come back from 16 down and just close the game. And I think that's where we lost a lot of games during the season. But I think we learned how to adjust to that 
of how to close games out without relying it down to the last shot because that's what majority of our games were relying it down to the last shot. Um, now, I mean, we've been closing out games differently. I mean, we can talk about the, the Bam Adebayo block on Jason Tatum to finish out that game, but I think what this team definitely has is Eric Spolstra, and I don't, he gets enough credit. Uh, he's been snubbed the last couple of years for coach of the year. And to be honest with you, he's on a uh, on a streak right now of getting coaches fired. And I don't know if y'all like Tibbs, but Tibbs is on a hot Tibbs streak ain't getting, right Tibbs like isn't Tibbs. getting fired this year. I like Tibbs. But I'm just saying, like, if you really look at it, the people who we beat, Nick Nurse, gone. Mike Boonoza, gone. Tibbs, he most likely, if he loses it, it's 50-50. It's not, he's not if, getting fired. Doc Rivers... If Doc Rivers makes it to the finals and loses to Eric Spolcher, that motherfucker is gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like we got to respect Eric Spolcher for what he's been doing. We got to respect Chris Quinn for being on the bench helping Eric Spolcher and staying in that film study because two minds is better than one. And I don't know who's on the bench with uh, Thibodeau, but I know who the fuck's on the bench for us. Can, uh, Karan Butler. Like, all, right, he's I, got I, I, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm not – uh, listen, bro, listen, 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 listen. Okay, listen. A whole bunch of listen. Players. I have said, Eric Spolster, and I wish Kevin was still here. Eric Spolster is, oh, you know what's funny? Yesterday on our pros game show, someone had a comment, and it really stuck with me. He said there are 82-game coaches and there are 16-game coaches. And that stuck with me. Eric Spolster is a 16-game coach. He's clear. He, this is like, we call him, like, this is like, he's Belichick now. He's absolutely Belichick. No Knicks fan will take any, well, any Knicks fan will sense will not take that away from him. They recognize how great he is. So please miss me on, you can miss me on Chris Quinn and Karan Butler. Like, no. Because it's, it's, the, it's the same, you know why? Hey, you can't you know tell why? me, you can't tell me Chris Quinn's a hot name for Do, You know why right I'm saying, what I'm, I'm saying that because I'm, when, if and when Chris Quinn gets a new job, gets a, a coaching job, Eric Spolster will still be fine. Because we have a lot of people in our fan base that don't like Tibbs, that think that J- Johnny Bryant is the one pulling all the strings and he, and everything that goes right is because of Johnny Bryant. And then I was like, I don't, and, and I'm not with that either. I give the head coach the credit when it wins and I, and I crush them when they lose. So I'm just going to say like, when it comes to Chris Quinn or Cron Butler, I ain't trying to hear it. With that being said, everything that you you said is all another thing. The the Dolan shit is lazy. It's fucking lazy. You got. I expect better from you than that. And we said this last week. James Dolan has not made a bit involved in a basketball decision in ten years. It is not James Dolan. Like in terms of like. Uh, trades and and lineups and whatever like that. Obviously, you hire the fires people, but like we got to get past that lazy the ass narrative. Sean, the atmosphere, the atmosphere. That's all. Bro, the atmosphere. It's the atmosphere at MSG is not the problem. I guarantee you, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. Like, like we are okay. Listen, the Knicks won a playoff series, won their fourth playoff series this century a week ago. The vibes are never, the vibes are in a, overall, are in a good place. And I I saw you laughing when I believe it was Kevin saying that, like, going forward long-term, we're in a better position than you are. You're laughing. It's like, no, he's right. We are. We are. And I remember you on Hoop Spaces yelling and screaming and whining about how undrafted, like, this, the Heat need to stop depending on undrafted players and undrafted free agents and need to prioritize the draft. And now you're here singing Max Schuess and Gabe Vincent's uh, things. Well, and you can't have it both ways. Sean, let me know. It was just Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. But let me ask you a question. Yes. Okay. If you were a Heat fan, would you feel more confident if you had better players on your team? If I were a Heat fan, would I feel confident better players on my team? Sean, they were bottom five offense during the whole season. There's not that much confidence you can put in here. Like, I understand where we were at, and I understand what it took. And to be honest with you, I think us shooting has has gotten a lot better, but there's still signs of, of mediocrity because we only shot 21 from three-point. And thank God you are not that great of a shooting team. You get what I'm saying? Because you didn't really outshoot us, and that's the problem. If you guys don't make your shots, that means that the Heat has a plus one. If you don't make your free throws, that means that the Heat has a plus one. That's how the Heat's been playing basketball. 
you have to be able to make certain type of shots. If it's not the threes, make the free throws. And, and y'all didn't even and, win that category. And that's why, and we can move on from this, but that's why I said what I said last week, and that's why I said what I said on Casual Friday. The Heat cannot beat us straight up. One through nine, talent-wise, we are better. But if there is one team that you cannot let hang around and not be sharp and, and make mistakes and give them easy points, it's Miami. Because if you do, they will make you fucking pay. And that, to your point, J.F., you have to around your the head. They're shooting 30, 30, 34% from three on wide open threes and 22% on open threes. They're, they're letting leak. They're, 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 they're giving up leak outs for easy buckets. They're not hitting free throws. They're giving up offensive rebounds. It's like you are literally the only way they can beat you is if you let them by not doing what you've done. And that is why the Josh Hart thing has struck a chord with so many people because it was like you're already changing your lineup against a team against an eighth seed when you've done what you've done all year and you've beat them three out of four times in a regular season. You just took care of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Why would I change it now? With that said, thank you, JFK. I appreciate you and we will continue talking shit on Who Spaces and on the internet going forward. All right. NDP. You will be unless you will be our last. Actually, I'm gonna read this one comment from um CT Pittman. I'm gonna read these two comments. One from Mess. Shout out to Mess. My um, I like to go. I like for us to go back to the starting line that we've been rolling with all year. Message, <laughs> and then from CT Pittman. There's been a lot of talk about spacing. Why doesn't Julius attack the paint more like Jimmy has been doing? What are him attacking and passing out of the open? What in him attacking and passing out the open, open the floor more? I often wonder why he prefers jump shots over using his strength down in the paint and drawing doubles. Chris, would you like to answer that question? I can answer it too, but I feel like I've been running my mouth entirely too long. And maybe I should answer the question. All right. So, CT, it's, I, it's, the irony is that, and I wish I could find a tweet that had the picture of like, there's the heat are packing the paint which is ironic considering who our coach is, and daring us to shoot threes. So when it's similar to the Miami, not the Miami series, it's somewhat similar to the Atlanta series in, in a sense that like, they're not, they're not saying, okay, we're going to take Julius out, but it's like, all right, we're taking away what you like to do. We're taking away the paint. We're taking away those driving lanes. And Look at the again, look at the first play of the game from yesterday where he's trying to take on Bam and he ends up shooting a one foot fadeaway air ball. It's because there's three or four heat players in the paint or close to the paint at all time and they can collapse, which is why the Grimes thing matters so much. Like they can't like Quentin, not that they think Quentin Grimes is Clay Thompson, but he has a reputation as a shooter and they have to pay attention to him. You have to account for him. It's like the number one wide receiver in football. You have to account for that number one wide receiver. Even he may be as pedestrian as Amari Cooper. If he can draw a double team, it throws every it throws everything off. That's what we have to do. It's harder to drive and kick when there's four guys in the paint. So Saka, I, I understand why Thibodeau made a lineup change and yes our defense has been pretty solid but the the, the drop off in offense and shooting is not worth it and that's why we have to go back to it all right ndp was here and he left okay well um i guess that is that uh thank you to everyone hey, Sean, yes can i ask you one question yes Right, That's so, the heat guy again. We can't. Yeah, hey, hey listen, there are heat guys I can stand, and heat guys I cannot. JFK I can deal with. Tony Short. <laughs> you know Tony what, Short. Boss, I've been taking and keeping PG with y'all. I could have made it a lot worse, but I've been keeping it PG with y'all. Oh, you could you could have you could have kept it a buck. We don't. We listen. We big boys. We big. We're adults over here. We take. We could take the smoke. All right. So for for that, then I hope any Knicks fan that came down here, I hope uh, it rains. I hope you got to pay for overpriced drinks, and I hope uh, whatever rent a car you have gets flooded. <laughs> you're hilarious. Um, you're hilarious. Uh, Chris Percy, I did. We can't let it. We can't let it in. No, listen, man. Listen, I'm I'm gonna let Chris Percy take us home. <laughs> um, 
to 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 I'm gonna let him take us home. Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I got I just got um you know back to my parents' house, so um I had to like connect to the Wi-Fi and mess all my. It's all up, it's all good. You don't have to. Back. You don't. Have, you don't have to. Things happen. Yes, we're back. We're back. Um, so, I will say I will reiterate. You know, every every essay I've ever written in my concluding paragraph, I reiterate my thesis and just reback it up quickly. So that's what I'll do to close this show out. Because at the end of the day, if you listen to KFS Study Hall, you are most likely here because you think Sean and I bring a level-headed, rational analysis to the table. So that is. Robert Cross, how we will end this show is with what I believe to be some level-headed, rational analysis. Now, the New York Knicks down 2-1 in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Heat of Miami have literally the ball in their court. And the reason I say that is because Miami has shown their hand with and without Butler. We know what the game plan is. It's a really good game plan. I said very confidently that the Heat were going to win game one because Spolstra would out game plan Thibodeau in the first game of the series. And I said very confidently before the series even started, before game one tipped off, that the Heat would win game three because with Tuesday to Saturday being the amount of time that Spolstra had to game plan, he would once again outcoach Thibodeau. So I knew Miami was winning games one and three. I did not predict a Butler injury. I did think that the Knicks would win game two, even if Butler was playing. Um, as Sean has said several times, have to stop playing so scared of Jimmy. Uh, I want to shout out Benji a million times here for his amazing thread going through the game, and he really made some great points about how the Knicks should be guarding Butler. Um, but listen, this Knicks team, as we've said all show long, its strength is that they don't have a name brand superstar, which allowed them the cap room to build a team, a one to nine team, right? And so they need to be willing to go to the players that are best suited for this matchup against Miami. They need to be willing to play the rotation that got them where they are and help them ex succeed and exceed that point once they got heart. And that rotation that they played, Hart didn't start to end the season. As soon as Thibodeau had the opportunity, he made the move with everyone knowing that it wouldn't be changed back. And I just think, I always say this it's about basketball, I say this about people, if you are predictable, you are a liability. If you are predictable, you are a liability. And if everyone knows what you're going to do, obviously if everyone knows you're an honest person, that's, you know, that, I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about in life's games of chess whether it's business negotiations uh if you know you're in a negotiation with someone who will always just pay up you come to the table with a crazy number right because you know you can exploit that if you are predictable in any sort of face-off or battle of minds or intellect or talents of any kind if you are predictable you are a liability and so the new york knicks have played into the hand of miami really well and it's a big credit to miami that they can come to the table against a team that they were not favored to win the series against because they are not a better team than the Knicks and have the Knicks playing their game. The Knicks are known for making teams play their physical game and they're playing Miami's shootout style, which is what they've game planned for New York. And it's very smart. I can't say it enough, but New York does have an opportunity in these final games to make the necessary adjustments. I've said what I believe they are. Um, I I'm really glad we had a bunch of callers who said what they think they are should be as well, because I love hearing different perspectives. I always think the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? So um, thank you all to all our callers and, and commenters for adding to the show today. As always, I, I, I can't thank you guys enough every week because you're who the show is for and you make the show what it is. So it's, it's really awesome to do this with you guys. Um, and, and with those adjustments, the Knicks have an opportunity to, <laughs> you know, with the games left in this series, it's two games left at each arena, right? If they can win game four, these Knicks can win game four. They've got two games out of the remaining potential three at home in a 2-2 series, which you know I like to say is 0-0 because a series doesn't start until a team on the road takes a game. Uh, I knew the Heat would take game one. I knew the Knicks would I knew they'd take game three. I knew the Knicks would take game two. I think the Knicks take game four, and we're back at 2-2. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Regardless of how it goes, you know factually that Sean and I will be here on Knicks Film School Study Hall to break it down, hear from all you guys, respond to you guys, 
debate, joke, talk with you guys, whatever it is, whether it's a, a therapy session for you if you're a Nick fan or if you're just a basketball fan like me and you love talking hoops and you want to just come and talk about what happened, win or lose, we'll be here next week. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, and I actually do want to, something you said, I'm curious to see how this series will go now that it's basically going to be every other day till I think game seven. Um, especially how it goes with Jimmy, and I think that's an advantage for the. Next I do think so as well, but we have to. But the advantage is because we are a pretty deep team, and we have to take advantage of that. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to read this last comment from Andy P, who had to go, and he's right. Maybe we should have 120 second limits for callers. Um, but he said, um, "Keep 20 on the bench, please." And RJ needs to not have another minus 30, minus 30 plus minus game. Also, don't forget 1998, the Heat game won games one and three in the series, and we won, and in 2000 as well. Um, yes, I will say this about RJ, like, and I, I will give the, and I'm going to give the fan base a whole lot of credit here because I have not seen a lot of. RJS plus thirty two, he stinks. Like I think we've realized that that's more along. That's more a indictment of the lineup around him. Um, so there. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of you for pulling up and checking us out. We're here on the weekends when the Knicks don't play. So if the Knicks play Saturday, we're here Sunday. If the Knicks don't play Sunday, if the Knicks play Sunday, we're here Saturday. Um, their game that actually are no games scheduled because game six is scheduled for Friday and game seven is scheduled for Monday. So we will be back next weekend. I'll figure out a time that works best for Chris because after all, this is his world. I just live in it. So two, four, Chris Persianen. I'm Sean from W. Thanks for listening. Knicks Nation, let's ride. This series is not over. Don't panic. Don't eulogize. This ain't over yet. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.